Tuning Quest episode 263. I'm your host, uh, Mike. I got the episode number correct this week, Apps. And with me as always. Uh, I know how to count. David McBurney, if anyone wants to. And guesting this week. Hi, my name is Joe, and I work in a button factory. Somebody kill me. Nope, not going to ask. Refusing any and all context or clarification. My uh, boy's a box. A box! I guess it is exactly like every We're not doing yes. more of these. Um, hey, you can count. No. <laughs> and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. Oh god, no, we're not doing this. We are done. Okay. Okay, Wheels, what have you been playing? Uh I have been playing Ninja Turtles. In fact, we all played Ninja Turtles together. But maybe we should save that to the end since we can all talk about it. Talk about that. Um uh, sure. I have been playing a few other ran new random things this past week. Uh, including going back to Bug Fable, Bug Fables, Bug, Bug Fables, which Bug Bubble, Bug Bump. which is one of the best Paper Mario games out there. So, f at least what about so now? Far. It's time to rock with the Biggity Bug Bumble. Oh no, no. Uh, what else have I been playing? Or what else do I have to say about that? It's very charming. It's very pretty. And uh, yeah, even though the inspirations are obvious and this like it it manages like its own flair on Paper Mario, it's I'm really impressed. And um, I did a search to see. Oh, I wonder how long this game is. And it looks like it's about thirty hours, which I find impressive. So I'm looking forward to playing a little bit more of that in between other things uh i've also fired up uh the fire emblem three hopes demo because i like stupid uh techno like garbage emblem. yes and i like fire well actually it's a brief sidebar on liking fire emblem you like modern fire emblem. yes so i was looking through some of my older games a the few weeks, a few weeks ago <laughs> trying to get rid of some stuff and Happened upon my copy of the F GameCube and Wii Fire Emblems, and I'm like, "Well, I've had these forever, and I've never actually like played very far in them, or even played the Wii one because I never beat the GameCube one." I'm like, "I wonder why that is," and that kind of led me along the line of, "Oh, I've had the Game Game Boy Advance ones forever, and never got too far in, in them. I wonder why that is." Oh, I've had the DS Fire Emblem Forever and never got that far in it. In fact, the only Fire Emblem I had older Fire Emblem I've beaten is Fire Emblem Awakening. Wonder why that is. Even mm. and even though I did play that one with Permadeath on, I realized that I don't like Permadeath in these fucking games. Nope. Like, I am looking forward to when they inevitably finally make a Tellius collection and you buy that shit anyway. Yeah, I'll probably mess around with it. But it's it's just, it's just like... People don't like things that are punishing. And it's... 
see, here's the thing. I don't, I'm not totally against the idea of permadeath, but I feel like the way the older Fire Emblems go about it is all wrong. Because there's like no, it's, it can just happen randomly and then you're just fucked. And I assume you can probably get in a state where, oh, I have like just not enough characters left to advance the game. <laughs> Uh, I believe in some of them, yeah. Some of them have things to prevent that. Yeah. Big but problem it's... with... The, I mean, like, the problem, of course, is that, like, they made a game that has a lot, especially as of more recent, when they finally were like, oh, wait, people will actually keep these characters. Games that have a lot of emphasis on characters and then said, also, sometimes they just die and you can't do anything about that sometimes. And players don't typically like that. Yeah. Well, and, and the biggest thing for me is just like there's no. There's. I feel like there should it's be. It's not even just that it's permadeath. There's no revival capacity, even right. Spell. You don't even have FF tactics level leeway, and that's also a game with permadeath. Yeah, like, and I don't. I mean, I think it's pretty forgiving in Final Fantasy Tactics. I don't necessarily think it should yes, be no. that. <laughs> forgiving like even like uh valkyria chronicles has permadeath if you don't like go and rescue your characters it's just like there's no the character dies and there's nothing you can do about it and it's you there's no like you call oh, it forgiving it, it there's no and and like turning off permadeath is nice because then it for me it's just like well i'm basically playing shining force and you know that's cool by me but it's like there's no there's no like middle ground between this is too hard and punishing and you know this can still be hard but it's not necessarily punishing like do you know what i mean like there's no i like like i said i'm not totally against the idea of permadeath but there's no no like way to adjust it so it's not so stupidly punishing like oh an enemy got a critical hit and i lost my favorite character like yeah like come on i was, I was, I was going to point out that uh you say up tactics is forgiving but it actually is entirely dependent on the speed of the character who's dead That's a true. fast yeah. character who gets a fast character who is usually a fragile character who gets killed will uh die will die much faster than a slow character yeah well i just kill. by forgiving it i just mean once the character is down you have a you have a chance to rescue them from permadeath yeah but you were saying it was too forgiving and i was saying nah, okay it's yeah, not consistent. yeah yeah <laughs> but like fire emblem there's just nothing none of that you and you know in the older games especially it's just like well now i have to start this battle all over again or reload from a save and it's just it's not it's not fun for me and you know i don't give a flying fuck about the story in the older games so that's not pulling me through them either um you know it, older fire emblem fans can complain about all they want about how oh they they're turning it into a dating simulator but uh it's very funny because genealogy of the holy war was a very popular it, one for a very long yep. time yep but it, it's not really about the dating aspects about it of it it's about like characters. character making you care about the characters you're actually going to these battles with and i think that has elevated the series to 
a really high level and i think the older games just look worse and worse to me the more time goes on and the better the series gets overall so uh yeah yeah i'm ready to fire off a i'm ready to fire off a nuclear take at the moment do it oh it's more about how (laughs) video game stories are told uh like the plot of most games especially most rpgs is fundamentally the least interesting part and it's the characters that carry it through yeah oh no i don't even think that's a nuclear take honestly it's it's a nuclear take in terms of people tend to philosophically dislike it but yeah yeah like 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 i was i was enjoying i was watching a uh video by a uh ex-bioware dev uh, uh what was good and bad about dragon age 2 because uh, he was, you know, going over all the games that he had worked on. I think he was, like, director on that one. But he was basically talking about, like, the secret to Bioware games is characters. It has always been characters, and the plot has never mattered as much as the characters. It's like, good to know that the people working on them love this. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, because, like, the... The, the characters are the part you relate to. Like People can enjoy looking at the plot like a puzzle box, and that happens with some games and some movies and some books. But like the characters are what draw you into that plot, or else it's just a bunch of people talking about nothing that matters because, nothing, because none of this should exist. <laughs> and that's why Final Fantasy Type Zero's uh, intro sucks, which is like the 12th time I've said that, and I keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, you can say it because that game sucks. But especially that intro is very bad. It's terrible. That's five minutes of proper nouns, and then someone cuts Jokobo's head off. So yeah. But yeah, so you but you, you, you sold demand, off your. You all demanded fire. that game to be localized. You all suffered for it. Karma. At least, uh, at least Crisis Core is getting a remake. Yes. From much of the same team. But, yeah. You know. But yeah, I, I sold off all of the pre-Awakening Fire Emblems, and I do not miss them. I hope somebody probably gave them probably made themselves. a fair chunk of change, especially yep. for Radiant Dawn. Yep. Like, uh, especially considering that, that one bought, was rare for a long time. Especially considering <laughs> I bought that on clearance, so. <laughs> yeah, like it sold like shit, and it was rare for a very, it was rare for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, still is, I suppose, but. Yeah, like Radiant Dawn is one of those ones. It's like, oh, this goes for. Uh, way too fucking much, and is yep. also infamous for being maybe the hardest one, which is, oof. yikes. But yeah. But also, like, uh, I'd have to look because I'm I'm very curious whether it somehow managed to sell worse than Path of Radiance because that would be a really dark place to be because, like, Fire Emblem was in a very dark place before Awakening left. You know, very well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Awakening would have been considered a huge success and a survive, uh, franchise revival at two hundred fifty thousand copies, but uh, Path of Radiance was like a very late era game, cute game, and Radiant Dawn was a Wii game at the height of that system's power. If Radiant Dawn sold comparatively or somehow worse than Path of Radiance, then that would be maybe the most damning thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> In terms of its action, like I can see why the series was teetering on the brink of destruction at that point. <laughs> uh, and Shadow Dragon is just not a great remake. 
I believe that's yeah. the one where, for some reason, I, like they were still trying, they were they were realizing that the permadeath was a problem, but they weren't sure they weren't ready to abandon it. So I believe in that one, their solution was, oh, sometimes when characters die, it opens up new scenarios, and it's like that that hurts people who play well though and can avoid the death because then they don't get like you don't usually gate interesting content behind like fucking up it's it's, it was such a baffling set of choices and then we didn't get fire emblem 12 at all i believe that was new mystery of the emblem and that one actually is like a dry run for awakening in a lot of ways uh, let me double check. Because that one's, I believe, the first one where you have your own creatable character, which is why some people still insistently refer to like Avatar characters by the Englishy name that was coined in that game, My Unit. Ugh. Okay, yeah, that was New new Mystery of the Emblem, which is a remake of Fire Emblem 3, where Fire Emblem 3 already contained Fire Emblem 1. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... Uh, I can't remember if that one's the one that also had like an option to turn off permadeath. I would need to check. I'll have to look that up because um, if it does have that option, I may actually have to play it. It was in Japanese only, though. It's got a fan translation. Oh, uh, yeah. So, all I was going to say is that I really liked Three Houses. That was the first Fire Emblem game that I actually beat. And I liked the dating sim stuff, and it reminded me of Persona, you know? Yeah, definitely. I loved it. Um, But that's not to say that um, Path of Radiance or Radiant Dawn were bad. They were good games. I just, for whatever reason, just didn't really get into them. Yeah. Which house did you pick, by the way? Um... I started with the Blue Lions, Nerd. and I beat the game, and then I had two other save files for the other houses, because I created a save file right before you choose, so that I could just... Approximately an load. hour in. <laughs> yeah, so I could just load that to try all the houses, and then I tried higher difficulties, I tried permadeath mode, but ultimately, playing on normal with no permadeath as Blue Lions was my way to go, so... Okay, it looks like the first game to allow you to turn off uh, to turn off permadeath was in fact New Mystery of the Emblem. Oh, okay. So you might actually want to go and check out that print translation. I will have to do that then. But yeah, uh, Fire uh, rewinding back to Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Uh, I have complained multiple times on this show about how somehow the second Hyrule Warriors runs like ass, even though it was targeted to a single platform. <laughs> yeah, they, they over-engineered that in some yeah. fashion. I hear the three hopes better at that. It runs like butter so far. No complaints. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking at like the Digital Foundry uh reviewing they were like yeah it like scaled back some like visual aspects but it runs a lot better so yeah <laughs> uh and it seems to be very interesting so far like it's an 
I guess it's an alternate take on Three Houses. So you play some other character who becomes the hero and Blyleth becomes the villain. But I guess it's got like... I don't like, think that'll be it, the end state of affairs, but yeah. You don't think what? I don't think that'll be the end state of affairs. Well, yeah. who knows? But yeah, that's that's the basic idea. And you can you get to pick your house. And I guess there's some like social sim elements to it too. Just like... Original game. I mean, it wouldn't so. be three houses without it. So. No, but I really like what how they're doing this with a lot of these recent spinoffs and where they adapt Musou gameplay into the home. Game right. Just slamming the home game into the Musou style. And I think that's that's how they should do it. That's how they should do this. Like it can't just be the Musou action because. Like it's fine, but that is an inexhaustible resource at the yeah. stage. Apparently, there's more like strategy options in Three Hopes as well. So. Yes, uh, but yes, this is definitely one of the better ones. It's definitely better than Hyrule Warriors Two, whatever the hell Age, Age of Calamity, which was a neat calamity. idea, but kind of broke itself on the wheel. Yeah. Um, maybe that'll run better when they inevitably uh, port it to Switch Two or whatever. Hopefully. But, uh, I was going to say something about it. But yeah, it's a Fire Emblem. Yeah, Fire Emblem. Uh, let's see what else they've been playing. More Dot Hack, obviously. Uh, some Wonderlands. That's about it. Um, cool. Been looking at what. Looking at my goals for the rest of this year and games I actually want to complete. Uh, so I've start return to Pokemon Legends Arceus because I really want to finish that and um, yeah, was not what the hell is the Diamond remake called? Brilliant Diamond, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Yeah, I finished my run through Brilliant Diamond before uh, Scarlet and Violet come out. So we'll probably be poking okay. around with those over the summer and uh, poking. I've moved the goalpost multiple times, but I would like to finish Dragon Quest Eleven this year. I really, I really, really Damn would. Well Same here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have make, it on a portable. There is no excuse. Yeah, I think I'm going to make that a goal, even though Xenoblade Three is looming on the horizon. Uh, but I think I I get the feeling that I'm going to actually burn through that in a shorter amount of time. That's just Let a feeling. Let me tell you about playing that nonstop for two weeks. Yeah, sounds about right. I plan on actually I taking its... <laughs> plan on taking its release day off and like getting pretty as far in it that first day. So that's how you're tra uh, ta tackling Xenoblade uh, 3? Yep. And obviously, that comes out on my birthday. Nice, <laughs> that is nice. God uh, only knows when I'll actually get around yeah, to it. But. Yeah, and obviously, I'm trying to finish Dot Hack before that comes out, which I think I'll be able to do because. Have you hit part three yet? No, but they're not super long, and I, the story really pulls me through those. So hmm. I, I think I'll be. F I, I, worst case, maybe I'll be on the fourth one when it comes out, but. Mm -hmm. we'll see i'm gonna 
still another month and I'm really going to start digging into that the next few weeks and finishing that up. So I'm probably going to go harder on Live Alive in July. Consider living alive. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to buy that day one. I probably won't play it for a while, though. But, but I will. Definitely play that at some point. All right, I have talked a lot. Somebody else talk about what they've been playing. Joe, do tell. Joe. Sure. Um, well, before we started, I was talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so I've still been playing that. Um, made it to Rex's home village and got that other woman to join the party. So that was cool. Um, so I'm on Chapter 5 now, just trucking along. And then, what? Oh, oh, I've been playing Sackboy a big adventure. And let me tell you, that is an underrated platformer. I think it's a great game. I believe it. But I still hate Sackboy as a design. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's like, it's the fourth game in the series, or fifth or sixth. I don't know. If you count the PSP and Vita games, I guess it's the fifth or sixth i don't know but anyways it, it's going 3d what to me was the logical next step and so you can't make your own levels in this one but you also don't get bombarded with intrusive dlc anymore either and microtransactions so um i'd say in its own merits it's an excellent platformer good graphics good art design good level Shimoda, design good sound design yeah um so, I mean, is it as good as Mario 3D World, Mario Odyssey? No, but personally, I prefer it over Mario 64 and Sunshine, you I know? I don't understand, but I accept that. And I, um, I mean, I, I think it's got some quality of life improvements over the classics, you know, like Banjo-Kazooie and Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, which, as expected, because those are pretty old now. Um, no, so I think it's a great game, so I've been having fun with that. Um, I'm in the middle of purchasing the Sonic Origins collection as we speak. So. You too can play Sonic again. Yes. <laughs> on PS5. There was no way to do that before. There was actually probably a way to do that before. <laughs> actually, it's backwards compatible with PS4 games. So yes, there was a way to do that. But, okay. <laughs> this but is Sonic 3 and Knuckles, yeah. Sonic 3 and Knuckles with a slightly yeah. different soundtrack. What? They had to fuck with the soundtrack. Do oh. I swear I went yeah. over this last week. Yeah, we we did. We talked about this on Sunday, I think. Yeah, it was either <laughs> that. Yeah. Short um, version, Brad Boxer, Michael Jackson, issues, the end. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know that I've been playing Turtles, because who hasn't? And we just played it on Ninja Sunday. Ninja and it's just such a good game. I could see myself playing through arcade mode and story mode a few more times. I'm trying to level up the Turtles. and So maximum power level is 10. And if you get all seven characters to level 10 on Xbox or PlayStation, you get a trophy nice. or achievement or whatever. Which, to me, it's... It would be tedious, but it's not that time-consuming. It would probably only take about 10 or 20 hours to get some of those achievements. But man, those those challenges in each level, like the very first level, there's a challenge if you can beat the level without getting hit. I can't fucking do it. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, I gave it. up on that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, um, and it turns out if you wanted to, after you beat story mode, so to get all of the character endings, you just have to beat the last level with those characters, which is, is a little tough if you're low level, but I was able to beat the last level with Casey Jones at level zero. It wasn't actually wasn't that difficult. So, yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, I haven't been playing that much else lately. Just switch and, uh, yeah, I mean, played a little bit of Diablo two and, but kind of got Diablo you, I know I kind of got bored with it again and like, I don't care about the ladder anymore. I'll never hit the level 99 in that game. I don't care. Uh, over the past week, my antipathy to Diablo has grown because of pieces of news that came out. Yes. So I'm going to be more, I'm going to be more mean to Diablo than ever before. Fuck Diablo. Our, our internal investigation Diablo. reveals exactly what we wanted it to reveal. That's not the news <laughs> he's talking about. Oh. But yes, that's no, terrible. Yeah, no, that sucks shit, but that's not Diablo's fault. Um, no, the thing that I was talking about was that Tony Hawk revealed in a live stream while someone was playing yes. Tony Hawk that Vicarious Visions was working on a Tony Hawk 3 and 4 remaster oh. cancelled in favor of putting them on Diablo 2 health, uh, Diablo 2 remastered or whatever oh. the fuck they called it. Oh. It's a really good. Remaster. I want Tony Hawk. God damn it! They can. They did. A they really can do good both, job. can't they? No. They did okay. a really good job, but you know what? They should have done a really good job on Tony Hawk first. Yeah, probably. There is there is a surfeit of Diablo related content to play. There's not a surfeit of new Tony Hawk games to play. That's true. Uh, as for what I've been playing. Uh, so I played through Ninja Turtles and I played through it again with you guys and I played through it again for another stream good uh, so that's you know been a lot of a lot of Ninja Turtles then uh, so I played Mega Man DOS oh why what? Who, what? I, need to, I need to complete every distinct Mega Man game you are a masochist so currently, the standing games left list is the Star Force games, one through three, Mega Man Battle Chip Challenge, Mega Man The Power Battle, Mega Man The Power Fighters, Wily and Light's Rock Board, That's Paradise, Super Adventure Rockman, Mega Man 3, The Robots Are Revolting, Rockman, and ba Rockman Battle and Fighters, Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, Mega Man Maverick Hunter X, and the uh, the Mega Man Legends games. Also, Darkwing Duck is on that list because it's basically a Mega Man game. And then I will have played through every Mega Man game that was released uh, in any capacity that I can understand of. Uh, currently, I am at... How many of the games on this list? Okay. It starts on line three and ends on line... 51. 48 Mega Man games then. Oof. I'll go with 48 and a half because I played some uh, Rockman.exe 4.5 real operation, but that game doesn't have anything. So. Is it okay that Mega Man 8 is my favorite? Yeah, that's a great game. Okay. 
before gaming time. Oh, I also played Mega Man on Game Gear, and that game sucks shit. Um, what? Well, everything on Game Gear sucks shit. What? Yeah, but... To, this is to... outrageous. You're all banned. <laughs> How dare you insult you my childhood? Oh, God, were you that kid? So sorry. I had a Game Gear before I had a Genesis. Why? It's just how it, how it went. Okay, let me see how I described this to someone else. Uh, played Mega Man Game Gear. This was not developed by Capcom, and as such, feels like a bootleg. Uh, unlike Mega Man The Wily Wars, which was farmed out to Mega Man Game Boy and X3 developers, Minakuchi Engineering, this was sent to a European studio no one has ever heard of called Freestyle Software. Creators of such beloved Amiga games as Mr. Blobby. Don't go looking into Mr. Blobby. It's uh, it, it looks awful. It's a reskin of like a troll doll game, and it is based off of a heinous character from fucking British uh, like sketch comedy. Sucks. It sucks in every direction. Uh. As is traditional for Game Gear games, the music and sound effects are ear-splitting. The attempt to add shading to what are essentially the NES sprites looks terrible. Uh, the game is a weird combination of Mega Man 4 and 5, Stone Man, Napalm Man, Star Man, and Bright Man composing the main stages. Castle stages add Wave Man and Toad Man in the Cossack Castle, and inexplicably Quick Man stage with no boss in the Wily Castle. So they took this, this Game Gear game, with the bad resolution of a Game Gear game, and recreated the Quick Man lasers for no reason. I don't know why. There are tons of sections in this fucking game where you will just be looking at like the only path forward, and there is no visible platform, and no indication of where you need to go to not die. And a lot of the time, at least one of the places you could feasible, you could probably end up landing if you you know make that leap of faith is spikes or an instant death pit. It sucks. It's extremely bad. Um, don't play Mega Man Game Gear. A lesson no one but me apparently needed to learn. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, oh, monster! Did you play this as a kid? Yes, I did. Why? Because it was Mega Man portably, and it wasn't in black and white. I played Mega Man black and white, and that game is hatefully difficult and shit, and it's yeah. still probably better than this. Yeah, probably. I'd like to also point out that uh, Wave Man's stage is also hateful because it recreates the uh, bits where you have to jump on the bubbles, but you can't actually see the bubbles you need to jump to anymore. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, let's see, was there any other things that stuck out to me as, like, this sucks really, really bad? Oh yeah, uh, the game is, like, 40 minutes long, but also the second half of the game does not allow you to have any passwords, no passwords, no no continuing after you've killed the four robot masters, except from right after you killed the last robot master. So yeah, fuck that game, that game sucks shit. Um, Wheels' childhood was a lie. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, Mega Man on DOS uh, sucked extremely, but it was also at least funny. So, you know, I at least got a laugh out of Mega Man DOS. Uh, I would play it over Mega Man X7, which 
How to how to phrase this? How to phrase this? I mean, uh, I'd play Mighty Number no. Nine over X Seven. Jesus. Yeah, but you don't even hate uh, Mighty Number no. Nine. It's true, um, but it's, it's Mighty Number no. Nine wasn't that bad. It's just the hype. It didn't meet the hype. Right. It's merely boring. Yes. Um, right. But the way I was going, what I was going to say was, uh, Mega Man X Seven has no excuse because that was a full ass PS Two game made by. Last team at Capcom, whereas Mega Man DOS was made by seemingly essentially one dude. <laughs> the credits, which I am staring at right now because they take up one screen, uh, list Mega Man Concept Capcom. Special thanks to Joe Fambio and Ron Santiano. Design, graphics, programming, sound, Stephen Rosner. Just one dude. So it's like, you know what, well, I'll cut him some slack. That game sucks, but, you know, he was working in, like, original IBM PC limitations and, uh, you know, was one guy making it in, like, four months. So, you know what? Cut him from Slack. He, he did his best. The Mega Man X7 team gets no forgiveness and has none. But, yeah. Uh, if we weren't doing this podcast tonight, I would be trying to do Mega Man 3 DOS today. Oof. Because I just like once that's out, like the, the truly the, the truly heinous games will all be done at this stage. I hear Sonic. I think. Uh, yeah. What? We hear your Sonic. Just fine. How? I don't know. I don't know. Just a very mild mic way through. Um, oh crap! I forgot to talk about Shadowrun. Well, wow. We can still talk about Shadowrun. We still yeah. have time. There's no reason why you can't. It's a great game. Yeah, Shadowrun Returns. Well, the trilogy, trilogy of the new on Shadow Game Pass. That's it's on consoles now. I've been playing it on Switch a bit. The first one, and the controls <laughs> are phenomenal. Um, way better than a lot of these like isometric type RPGs have been doing on console. Feels like we finally reached a point where people figured out how to make those work on console, which has been nice. Yeah. Because, like, Disco Elysium also works well on a game. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, I never played it on PC, so I don't. I just assume it was kind of like point and click movement. Yeah, I played some of it on PC, and that is exactly yeah. how it works. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, you move your character around with the joystick, it works fine. Combat is great, especially since it's turn based. Yeah, it's very tactic-y. Uh, yeah. No, the combat is great. It reminds me a bit of um, uh, Divinity Original Sin, although mm. with kind of more like a grid layout. I don't, it's not really a grid, but... Uh, it's, it's sort of more... Cause I think it has like cover, so you yeah. have more incentive to like press yourself against things, which right. makes it easier to sort of keep track of where things are. Yeah. I feel like uh, Divinity was a little looser with moving around the environment. Well, this is a lot more. I don't. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. It's a lot more defined. Deterministic. Yeah, it feels more like a uh, tabletop RPG, which is what it's based on. But uh, yeah, it runs great, loads great so far. Uh, I did hit a bug this evening where. I seemed to hit like an event and it kind of broke. I had to close out the game. 
And I mean, that happens it, a lot happened with a few times. Games, so. Uh, so, yeah. Not a patch a bit, maybe. But. Yeah, it'll be patched, and there's going to be a limited run games of that, and they usually wait. If you want the physical edition of it, they usually wait until all the patching is done to do the physical release. So, uh, hmm. yeah, mostly very impressed so far. I like uh, the story and design of these games. Um, and you're still playing Returns, which was reputed to be the least interesting of them. Yeah. No, it's great. It's always a setting I've been interested in and really. I don't know why I never got around to those modern games. I think I was still mostly doing like Mac games on PC back then. I don't know if they ever came to Mac. I think they did, but it took a while. Yeah. Um, so. What I was going to say about. Uh, okay. It's the perfect platform for me to play on them now. So. Uh, yeah, they're really good ports aside for the bugs, but yeah, those will get patched. Those will get patched, and I was able to restart and get past the issues. So it's not, it, even though it happened to me more than once, it wasn't like completely like game breaking, can't get past this, can't continue at all. So. But yeah, yeah. Every, everything I heard about, uh, like I played some Returns because I actually backed it on Kickstarter. Um, in part because I just like sort of, so one of the things about uh, Shadowrun to Returns is that one of the key people behind it was one of the key people behind the Shadowrun FPS on 360. And, uh, you know, he was he was kind of a uh, persona non grata for <laughs> Shadowrun fans for a long time for having been involved in the game. And like I, I like a good redemption story, and he was, you know, very clear in his part of that. I was like, I want to, you know, help make a Shadowrun game that people actually want. And hey, awesome. people, people like Returns. Uh, I think Dragonfall or whatever the second one is called is generally considered the strongest. Uh, people don't dislike Returns. Uh, it's just that it's a very uh, and in fact, it might be good for you because it's a, uh, because it's, you know, because you haven't played a lot of Shadowrun, but by, by all accounts, the biggest issue people take with Shadowrun Returns is that it is a very archetypal uh, Shadowrun story. That's like, fine, maybe. Uh, yeah, like, it, it's the kind of thing that's like, this is a group's first campaign, we make this kind of campaign, like, it has this kind of story. So, since you haven't played it, it's perfect for, you know, Hey, and also it's it's kind of nice to see Shadowrun become a game franchise again because it actually has like a long history with yeah. video games. Uh, did you play Genesis Shadowrun as a child, Wheels? A little bit, yeah. But it, that's it's, a very confusing game. Yeah, it's always <laughs> been a setting I'm, I'm interested in because I like the mix of cyberpunk and fantasy, and it's just yeah, a lot uh, of cyberpunk, but also works. Like I'm fine with like traditional fantasy a lot, but I'd like I'd, I would love to see more like interesting settings. Like uh, traditional fantasy tends to run thin on me very quickly. Yeah, like <laughs> there there's a game that came out not that long ago that I really want to get to at some point called Greedfall, which is like mm, fantasy, fantasy, but it's kind of more in like the colonial age, mm, going to the new world. And it, yeah, it's, 
I mean, it's one of those. Uh, I forget which developer it is, but it's one of those European developers. Looks like Spiderweb or something. Yeah, I think so. So it's probably not the greatest, but it did get lots of good reviews and seemed very interesting. So uh, I'm really interested in the setting for sure. Excuse me, not Spiderweb, Spiders. Yes. <laughs> Developed by Spiders. Yeah, they always seem like they make lots of interesting RPGs that are probably not the best developed, but... Or at least the cleanest. Like, yeah. a, you know, I've long been an advocate for things that are less polished, but more ambitious or interesting. So. Yeah. But the, the, this, the Greedfall was one of the ones that seemed to get a lot more better reviews. And like I said, it's got a really interesting setting. And I, I uh, wish people would... Greedfall too. Yeah, I wish people would do more interesting fantasy settings like that. Speaking of fantasy settings that I think look boring, um, Final Fantasy Sixteen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to issue a retraction uh, of something that I was concerned about from the trailer because they kept showing just the protagonist fighting by himself, but they did confirm the existence of party members. Yeah, you know? that's something maybe. It's it's weird that they needed to confirm that, but yeah. And then they also said, "Oh, none of the summon battle fights will ever work the same way twice," which sounds obnoxious. Actually, there's going to be at least one of those, I guarantee you, where the prevailing response is going to be, "This gimmick doesn't work and sucks shit." <laughs> but hey, didn't they announce something? Uh coming in the same-ish time frame that we're much more interested in anyway. Yeah, didn't we talk about that last week? or, or was, Oh, did we talk about that on Sunday? Yeah, we talked about it on Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yes. Part 2, yes. baby. Looks fucking dope. Want it that, now. Game looks, that game looks gorgeous. Uh, they confirmed that Final Fantasy VII will be three parts. Yep. They confirmed that uh, the creative director of the trilogy... Uh, Nomura is already like directing to some degree in parallel Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Three, uh, but yeah, Remake Part Two has been confirmed to be Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and it is coming next winter. Uh, just just to be clear, because some people saw that phrase and weren't quite sure what that meant. That <laughs> seems to mean late 2023. Yeah, uh, because without the context of the other thing they announced. Uh, it doesn't. It's ambiguous what next winter means. But they also announced this winter Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion. Yes. And that yes. looks like a fucking banger of a remake. Yeah, and unlike uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is PS5 only, that's coming to everything, including Switch. Yeah, that's coming on Switch. And which is where I'll be playing it, obviously. It was designed for to be a portable game. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, like just uh, when I when I was watching the stream, a friend of mine was like, "Oh, did they upgrade the graphics on that?" And like, I I needed to like fish out some side by side shots because they went kind of all out on upgrading the graphics. Uh, it it looks you know like it's it's designed to run on Switch, so it does not look to the same uh, degree as uh, FF7 remake, but it does not look a significant cut below. It's a very pretty looking game. But uh, some other things, they have sped up the combat. Uh, so if you remember Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, uh, every time Zack did an attack, there was like a very deliberate pause for each attack before he could launch into his next one, even if it was in the same combo. Like, you know, it was like, da 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 
It's very staccato, and they have seemingly changed that entirely. He seems to just transition between moves much faster, and he can transition from, uh, like, his combo attacks to dodging or using magic much faster, so it's a much faster-looking game. Uh, it kind of fixes, like, my biggest issue with that combat system. <laughs> Uh, there's been some alterations to the digital mind wave, the little slot machine in the corner, uh, which was neat, but uh, also tended to interrupt combat a lot, like a lot, a lot. So it'll be interesting to see what they've done to uh, mess with that in terms of pacing. Uh, the entire game is voice acted now. It was only intermittently voice acted before, so they've gone back and re-recorded everything. Uh, it it legitimately like it looks like a real labor of love. Like that is a great looking remake, and yeah. that game will finally not be trapped on PSP. Which uh, another reminder: that game was never even available digitally. You couldn't nope. play it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that was the epitome of being trapped. And yeah, now it's now it's going to be available in this like by all appearances much nicer version. Uh, that looks Excellent. like they may have just they may have just taken some FF Seven remake assets and you know like, reduce the quality on them a bit. <sighs> but yeah, that looks fucking incredible. And yeah, PS5 only for F7 Rebirth. Uh, oh, and they also showed uh, Ever Crisis again. Yes. Which, I mean, if it's not, like, heinously gotcha-based, even I'm going to play that, because it looks like... It, it sort of looks like they took this... They, you know, decided, well... Some people want a more strict remake of FF7, so we are making a more strict remake of FF7. Mm -hmm. Like, it appears to be turn-based. Uh, it appears to just be... We have upgraded the graphics and maintained the style of the original FF7. And we have added in all the spin-offs as additional chapters. Nice. Cool. So, and I'm sure you'll have to buy each of those chapters individually, but if, like, mm -hmm. that's their monetization scheme... And like that's the primary monetization scheme. I'm like, yeah, go for it. That's probably that's how I want games. To be. Like, I mean, sell me games that yeah. I can buy things. Assuming it's single player, they've done that with a lot of single player stuff on mobile. So mm -hmm. it seems it's to quite be, possible. It seems to be yeah, but yeah, like that. That is how games should like. I I, am, I consider that a perfectly fair way to sell games because mm -hmm. then, like you know, if someone thinks, oh, this chapter is too expensive, like that is a choice that they're making. They have the information about what the game is and what these chapters are. Uh, it's when you start saying, like, oh, you might get it on your first poll. You might get it for cheap, or it might uh, ruin you financially. That is a problem. But, uh, yeah, so FF, FF7's looking good, and it completely overshadowed, the, it completely overshadowed Dragon's Dogma 2, which was announced at the same time. <laughs> But uh, which they showed nothing of substance about and didn't yeah. give a release date for. Hmm. But it's coming, so that's something. Uh, I have, uh, I've, I've still never gotten around to it, even though I have the Switch version. A friend just sent it to me because he was like, "Oh, I accidentally bought two copies." But uh, yeah, I need to get around to the original Dragon's Dogma now that Dragon's Dogma Two is happening. Uh, but yeah, uh, FF7 uh, stays winning. <laughs> still, uh, 
it's it's just it's just very nice to see that. Uh, like I, I was not expecting re- rebirth before uh, Kingdom Hearts Four, put it to put it mildly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, and to find out that they're already uh, like it makes it sound like they they want uh, FF Seven remake as a project to be done by like uh, twenty twenty seven, I would guess. So, yeah, like actually a thing that is, you know, far away, but not heinously far away. Uh, Yeah, very, 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 very excited. And uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting while I was looking at the civil reel that they had of of Rebirth was that... uh, since they're since they seem to be reusing a lot of assets, which they should be, and anyone that complains about that is a dipshit. But uh, it it means that like they're taking these assets that were engineered for PS4 levels of fidelity, and they are using them on PS5 where they have much less constrained processing and memory bandwidth, and also like loading from the SSD. So it should give them a lot of options to. Uh, as as this part would theoretically be, uh, you know, taking portions of the game that are somewhat more open than regard, you might end up seeing a more uh, more open environment because you know the same quality of assets filtered through something that has much much be- faster memory and much better data throughput. So I'm excited, very excited. Fucking love F seven. Uh, gonna have to play it for seven again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, is there any other news that we miss uh, that we care about? <laughs> Xenoblade Three Direct happened, which is oh yeah, we talked about that about before the, the start, so I forgot that we hadn't actually yeah uh, confirmed uh, DLC um, expansion pass, which has some sort of story DLC. It's said, I think, by... by the end of the year. No, it said by December 2023, I think. I thought it was by December 2022. Let me check. Could be. I don't, maybe I read it wrong. Yeah, let me check, because I'm, I'm just going to Google up what the actual verbiage used was. Uh, oh, no, by, by December 31st, 2023. So that'll probably going to be at the very least on the size, uh, on the order of Torn of the Golden yeah. Company. Yeah, suggests it will be very large. Like a game unto itself, basically. Uh, by, by all accounts, uh, Xenoblade 3 Vanilla has been in some state of done for like six months, so... Uh, I, I would suspect that that game is pretty far along, but they just haven't gotten ready to. <laughs> they just can't commit to. It's definitely going to be out by now because, like, game development's turbulent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say? Uh, just to go down the list of what they actually did say about F16, they said that it will have party members and that it will not be open world. And could have told you that first. That could have told you that second one. <laughs> it did not. Uh, it did not have the makings of an open world game with the combat system they were going for. Yeah. Which. Uh, it's fine by me. 
yeah, I, I'm not I'm not against that. I just wish that the world that they were building and the characters that they were showing were more interesting. But we'll see. Maybe they'll be more interesting in practice than they look like when they show them. Uh, yeah. So a lot for JRPG fans all stripes to uh, salivate over in the coming yeah. years. Crisis Core Reunion. Uh, I'm wiggling. You can't see it, but I'm wiggling. But yeah. Um, I think that does it for news. Yes, the only other thing is there's lot, still ongoing rumors about a Nintendo Direct next week. We'll see if it actually happens. I'd be but it seems likely. Yeah, there's it's too very much. Fun. There's too much smoke for there to be nothing. But we'll yeah, see. It's, I, at this point, I would assume that there's been some sort of planning in the works that's been uh, that's had the football pulled out from under it a few times, just because you know uh, we we live in weird times. But, yeah, uh, you know, even if it doesn't come next week, I would suspect we will see it in July. But yeah, uh, it does. It does amuse me that they just split out Xenoblade and gave it its own direct. Um, but that also means that at no point in the uh, next direct will I be like, "Oh, good, it's time to take a ten-minute break because they're just going to talk about Xenoblade." And I'm interested in Xenoblade, but I don't need to sit here and watch Xenoblade for ten minutes in the middle of this direct. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah. Um, so but that safeguards the next direct for me. In fact, instead we will get uh, here's ten minutes about Splatoon three. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, looking for questions. Um, this is not the usual copy that I'm using that has the ones we've done highlighted. Let me see if we can find. How long is this demo? Three hopes, or it's yeah, pretty, pretty long. It's like the first part of the game. It's one of those demos. I was gonna say you're still playing. It's wow. It's probably just like hey, you can oh, it's continuing a save too. Yeah, this it's like the first few hours of the game. Wow. Okay. Nintendo has done a lot of those. Once again, I have no interest in, unfortunately, but fair enough. I'm not a Muso guy, I guess. That's fair. Uh, so, going into the question list from Dear Friend Fireminer. Oh, that's right. People ask questions. <laughs> yep, that's why I was casting around for the document. Uh, how useful are text boxes in MMORPGs? For example, like I did use them to coordinate with other players. FFLX 11 flashback intensifies. Um, like this, this was relating to a question about uh, remembering when the text boxes uh, in RPGs were just on the side of the screen, even if there was nothing for them to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, on the other hand, how useful are text boxes in MMORPGs? Uh, I don't know. I don't play them most because I don't enjoy them. <laughs> and part of, and to be fair, part of that is the sensory overload of the like constant scrolling text and like 
Byzantine UIs that almost all of them have. Yeah. Like, um, they, they are too busy for me to visually parse. Yeah. It's not great. It's... It, well, in Final Fantasy XIV specifically, yeah, it's useful when you're doing a dungeon and you got to talk to the other players. But personally, I wish there was a way to shut it off, so you know, so it's not there when I'm just soloing doing quests, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, you've hit so, on the other reasons I don't play MMOs. Right. So to answer the question, it's useful when you're forced to play multiplayer as part of the story quests that require you to do dungeons. But the rest of the time, I wish I could just get rid of it. Yeah, um, it's designed to force player interaction, and there's very few people I want to interact with less than people playing an MMO. <laughs> and now, 14 at least doesn't have as much spam as other games, but in in like a free to play MMORPG, it's completely useless yeah. because all you get are the bots trying to spam you, like, you know, hundred dollars for a thousand gold. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oof. Here's the voice chat. More bothered than useful. Well, there's a reason no one uses that. I <laughs> never voice use chat voice chat. <laughs> Screw voice chat. Like it's it's just all of the people that you would. Like I would honestly pay to make sure that they weren't allowed to talk. Yes, <laughs> you are. I only much... use voice chat with friends. You are much more so... likely to run into complete assholes on voice chat than you are actual nice people, unfortunately. For example, you might run into me. But yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's one of those things. Like it's very funny when you like chart the, uh, like late ops to mid tens, where it's like. In the late ops, it's like, ah, oh, everything needs voice chat because it's the only way to coordinate in the game. To like, ah, oh, I mean, like, it's useful to coordinate in the game, but I hate the people I'm talking to, to it's not worth trying to coordinate in the game. I don't want to talk to any of these people. Uh, right. Like, they're, like, people kind of, people want to talk to their friends, not some random asshole, not like fucking Boner Justice 2027 <laughs> in uh, on Xbox Live or whatever. So... Boner uh, justice, nice. <laughs> I had to reference. I had to reference good old uh, the fucking uh, cartoon <laughs> version of mutant league football, where they. But uh, yeah, like pe- people very quickly learned that. Oh, actually, all of these people suck to talk to, and I don't want to talk. Be- I want to know all of them less. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. Inevitably, like Discord, kind of took it took the place of that. Like you just talk over Discord to people that you actually want to talk to instead yeah. of talking to whatever asshole right. is playing your favorite first-person shooter. <laughs> yep. Um, I was gonna say when when I played Heroes of the Storm years ago, it was like, um, I knew it had voice chat. I never used it, and I you could actually like just mute everyone you could just mute the text chat too so that's what i would do i would turn off all the chat and then what what would people do they'd harass me with pinging they would do that thing where they make it ping five times like you know they would just keep pinging the map and then i would turn on the voice chat just to be like dude stop and then they would troll me and it's like all right Screw this. <laughs> so yeah, that's the other thing about voice chat and why it's such a hellscape is that uh, without any sort of active moderation whatsoever, 
and leaving it on people who are in the chat being abused to go in and like report and maybe in a few days they'll get some sort of redress uh like you basically those people like any other like rational human being are going to just stop turning on voice chat and inevitably the voice chat winnows itself down to all of the most hateful and toxic toxic people imaginable right like because the only person who's going to deal with that is someone who is just that desperate to fire right back at it and you know they they calcify and like negative reinforcement loop each other into being the worst versions of themselves and, yeah and i used to i used to report people all the time and i don't know if it ever did anything probably you know? yeah <laughs> like it, it might have who knows they won't tell you so right like why why would you bother continuing to do it it's like throwing your time and effort into the void and eventually yeah. i just stopped playing you know you eventually just stop playing those games entirely you yeah. know if, if so if you do not if you do not take an active interest in fostering a community that like is nice to each other they will like the worst actors will make it so that everyone that sticks around is awful to each other mm -hmm. like, that's just that's community building 101 basically you know i um i really got into splatoon 2 when it was mm -hmm. new and that was fun as hell you know why there was no chat at all there was no voice chat there was no text chat but i believe you could use the nintendo app on your phone to talk to people but by so, creating that barrier you were not yeah. you did not feel obligated to use it exactly and i had so much fun with that game and yeah it was cool so yeah and like they they also of course did that because uh splatoon is a game played a lot by children so they would rather that yeah. you not just be able to un to unvarnishedly talk to talk to and, and I <laughs> and I got really good at it and I'd like to think I made some kids cry. Ha, ha, Probably ha. at least a few. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things where like the the world is made a better place by the fact that they don't know about that. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. and j just a side note, yeah. So before we were talking about oh what's what's upcoming i i think we forgot to mention splatoon 3 I, i'm really excited oh i mentioned that because i was talking about oh, the, what okay. would be a new nintendo direct but yeah, yeah. oh, oh cool. right okay maybe i was playing sonic when you were talking about Don't that mind, yeah. <laughs> Better uh, so here's one i'm not equipped for but is related do you have any memory of terrible online gaming services in the early aughts anyone remember games by battle yes I remember play online, but that's not for yes. the reason why. Battle.net was fine, not like the greatest, but it worked. It, it worked, worked fine. Used that a lot, no real problems. GameSpy was ass. <laughs> <laughs> I thought GameSpy was. Ass. I thought it was spyware. That's right in the name. Right. <laughs> it was it was it was also like it was still used as like underlying technology for like years and years after no one was bothering to use it uh, mm -hmm. games anymore because yeah. there's like there were like wii games that ran on like games by servers and that's why they had to have their servers shut down because games by stopped being a server option but, 
go to play if you want more information about that. Go to play online to find out. Two boy, I do we want to talk a bit about play online? Can I talk about a bit about the grand ambitions for playonline.com? Strategy guide for Final Fantasy IX. I mean, sure. more than that, they had other <laughs> plans for that. Because, like, yeah, the 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 reason that I know about it was I bought the FFM strategy guide, and then it turned out there's jack and shit in terms of information in that guide because every single fucking thing that might be useful just tells you, hey, if you want to figure out what action, what the actual use of this like tiny blurb of a section we wrote is, you need to go to play online and put in this goddamn code. Uh, it's the entire guide. That's awful. It's incredible. I have no idea what, like, well, I know exactly what they were thinking, and the answer is Square said, like, we will, <laughs> we will not allow you to be the official strategy guide unless you're plugging the service that we intend to have as the center hub of all of our online activities. And this is back when, when FF9 launched, there were plans that FF10 was going to have online con- connectivity through PlayOnline. It was going to allow you to uh, customize equipment and then sell it to other players through play online and that idea fucking died on vine because it doesn't make any goddamn sense and but isn't like, that Stone exactly is... what counter-strike did on steam uh market you'll player. never guess how much that uh well one i think you could only sell it for in-game currency it was just players transferring guilds back and forth to each other but broader problem is you'll never guess how completely unequipped square was to do anything like that especially on the ps2 uh like especially especially because ff10 ended up launching before the ps2's network adapter because sony kept fucking delaying the thing for like a year and a half and so like by the time ff10 came out the uh the ps2's official network adapter was still nine months from being released uh, excuse me, it was like eight months from being released in the U.S. In Japan, it was a full year. Uh, because it came out in like August of 2001 in Japan. But uh, <laughs> much, much bigger thing, uh, uh, like also, also shout out uh, to poor Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, which was a game that was uh, engineered with the idea of like, okay, they're definitely going to have some sort of network adapter out. They're, they've got to. And by the time, and it came out, uh, I believe, 10 months before the network adapter officially came out. There were ways to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 online, like a full, uh, like without the network adapter, you could jerry rig a solution that would actually make it work. And it was ridiculous, like seven people played that way. (laughs) Hmm. I had the GameCube version of that anyways. Yeah, that 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 was a good version. No online play, but I mean, PS2 version barely had online play too, so. Yeah. <laughs> Not much but the Yeah, I mean, honestly, well, the GameCube had better graphics, anyways, so. Yeah, slightly nicer looking. But yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, play online then so, was like. Hang on, what about the Dreamcast versions of Tony Hawk? Did those have online play? Nope. Oh, okay. But yeah, the uh, I mean, those only went up to two anyway. But yeah. Um, okay. Were there original Xbox versions of those games? Yes. And did uh, they have uh, online play or no? 
Not immediately. People were very distrustful of Xbox Live until they realized that having an infrastructure was actually a huge boon as opposed to just winging it with a homegrown solution that would inevitably fail to work and end yeah. up pushing the game back. But, huh. um, yeah, uh, what was I going to say something about it? But yeah, Play Online would end up being bolted on to FF11, as Fireminer clearly very well knows because they clearly played a lot of FF11. But yeah, and then like I think like they they gave up on the idea of like play online will be Square's hub for uh, all of their internet based games and content, and eventually became just the really obnoxious login portal for FF11 that ultimately they slowly found a way to extricate it from in like 2012. <laughs> Jeez, like it took forever for that to get extricated from play online. It sucked. Mm. See. What is what are the chances of Square Enix sneaking a Dirge of Cerberus remake into FF7 remake oh. as a, by having a third-person shooting section starting them? Will they go the safe route and only transplant the story? I don't even think that would be the safe route if we're being honest. Uh, there's no, there's not really a constituency for that plot. Yeah, like, I never even played that game. <laughs> I did. It's not very good. It's really um, bad. It's garbage. It's it's not okay. uh, it's not the worst version of that game because the worst version of that game is Dirge Cerberus Lost Episode, which was a flip phone version. Ah, uh, remember which, flip phones? Oh god! It was in three D. It was a third person shooter in three D on a flip phone. It sucks. It's really extreme. Remember Vincent? He's I... back in Pog form. I remember. I had I had one of those original Nokia phones, that little brick you could play Snake on it, and then I remember getting a Samsung flip phone, and I was like, "This is the future." <laughs> oh man! And then I got a <laughs> then I got a BlackBerry. <laughs> oh god! Remember those? Those were very popular for about two and a half years. I know I had two of them. <laughs> My brother had one as well. Uh, but yeah, as for the question, like I could almost see them trying it just as a way to try to make sure that everything in the compilation of FF7 doesn't uh, is both playable and doesn't suck ass. But I think it's more likely that you're just going to see it as an unlock as like a purchasable episode for Ever Crisis rather than them trying a full on remake. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I mean, I. Actually, I think it's guaranteed to be part of Ever Crisis because I think they said that every part of the compilation of FF7 will be in that. In that so that'll probably be also the first time that they ever officially release before Crisis in any meaningful capacity in the US. So. I'll be right back. But yeah, uh, as for actually trying to make a third person shooter, I think they actually probably could pull it off now. Like, I think they could make a perfectly passable third person shooter in Parma out to who knows what. What, who knows what as far as a developer but like I I don't honestly think it would be a good use of resources um, did the, I'm trying to remember if the US version of Dirge of Cerberus actually had uh, the multiplayer let's see Okay, so let's, I'm looking at a wiki, because I know that it had multiplayer, at least in Japan, but I can't remember if they cut it from the English version. But 
Yeah, I seem to recall it required the hard drive. It was weird. Huh? I think my... Uh, okay, I think my Chromebook fell asleep. Sorry. Oh, that's why you're back? Yeah. Okay, Wheels is briefly gone. He stepped out. I don't yeah. Because I, I saw him... <laughs> yeah, I saw him put his headset down, and, and then I just... I looked over my computer. I guess it went into sleep mode. All right. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, I'm trying to remember if the English version of... Dirt Cerberus actually had the multiplayer mode, or if they cut it. But like that's the that's the other issue with uh, trying to remake Dirt Cerberus in any capacity is uh, that some of the story is actually uh, in the multiplayer for some oh. fucking reason. Okay, <laughs> it's weird. I don't. I, in some sense, it's ambitious, but it was probably not worth doing. Like many things about Dirt Cerberus. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, uh, I, I don't see them. I, I Honestly, I think they could make the remake work. You could turn. Uh, Dirge of Cerberus into a perfectly fine third-person shooter that would have its fans, but I don't think they have the appetite to try it, and I think the most thing is a Dirge of Cerberus chapter in Crisis. Okay. Are you still talking about Dirge? Yeah, I was trying to stretch until you got back. Oh, okay. Dirge. Dirge, Dirge. Yeah. Nope. Well, Dirge. Um, yeah. I think it's smart of Square Enix to just focus on Final Fantasy because the uh, the live service shit isn't really working for them, in my opinion. Like, uh, I tried to play Avengers again the other day, and I was like, I can't get into this. And that's not even I played Outriders. Yeah, I played Outriders for like a couple hours, and I'm like, this game sucks. I mean, so, you say that. You say that, but Final Fantasy XIV is printing money, so I think their live service I mean, shit is doing fine. Multiple, yeah. I don't think they well, need well, that's what I, that, yeah. That's what I kind of meant. Like, it's good that they're just focusing on Final Fantasy, including XIV. And, yeah, and, and that's the one live service game that's really working for them, in my opinion. So, Okay, to hit another one. Speaking of Square, anyone still remember Nakayama Miholm of Tokimeki High School? Hey, speaking of, since this question was written, that game has gotten a fan translation. Uh, for those who don't when know was, Nakayama... When was the question written? Uh, probably about a year and a half ago. Oh, boy. Fireminer implied that he had started writing questions like when we were halfway through the previous list, and that oh, list wow. was like 170 questions long. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, so Nakayama Miho no Tokimeki High School, for those who don't know, is a very early uh, pseudo-dating sim uh, made by in collaboration between Nintendo R&D 1 and Square in like 1986. Uh, it is impossible to re-release at this stage, both because of that rights entanglement and the fact that uh, Nakayama Miho is not a character they made up. It is a actual idol, idol who was popular in Japan in 1986. Oh. Um, so yeah, it was it was like a dating sim kind of construction, like Wait, before so dating sim. When when I think of Japanese idols, I think of Hatsune Mika and Super Sonico. 
you're telling me that type of stuff went all the way back to the 80s? I need I need you to understand that those are virtual idols. Oh. Or like, not even really virtual idols. Those are like mascots for like different things. And I, idol groups in Japan are basically like what you would think of as like a manufactured band in America. Okay. Uh, cool. Like, so yeah, you'll, you'll get them. They have like rotating members oftentimes, but you know, some you'll have idols who are individual idol singers and yeah. It's a whole it's it's honestly a horrifying business if you know anything about it. But yeah. Yeah. Um a while back I was talking about a show on HBO Max, uh, Tokyo Vice about Jake Adelstein, the yeah, journalist yeah, back in the or late nineties. Well so there's there's I, I guess so it's something I wasn't really familiar with the idols. So there was this guy named Akira, I think, and he was a male idol and, and like women would pay a lot of money to spend time with him and buy him like champagne and hang out in the club with him. And Oh yeah. That's, like, a, that's a host club. That's a related business, but different. Right. Okay. And, and so, but there's a part where she owes him a lot of money and it turns out he has ties to Yakuza. So this girl gets kidnapped and forced to become a sex slave and then gets murdered because she's in yeah. debt to this yeah okay yeah. so so like host host and host clubs are you know they're exactly what that sounds like you right pay, okay that's you different. go to a bar and okay. buy ex profoundly expensive food and like drinks but like the idea is that what you're paying for is the companionship of one of the hosts or hosts right right um, okay but yeah um and those so are i'm those slowly are... getting the concept of idol of uh, no uh, yeah i'm slowly trying to figure out what you're talking about and i think i'm starting and, and, to get it so yeah an idol singer is basically like the kinds of singers that disney manufactures those are idol singers right in all okay uh and in in that same way where like a, a disney will uh prop them up until they're a certain age and then be like well we're done with you and then like they get cast off and what happens to very much depends on the individual savviness of themselves and their agents and how much support they can get from their diehard fans. Uh, in in yeah. Japan, like, you know, like there, there's all sorts of uh, not known criminal ties, but, you know, one of those things where it's, like, it's definitely an industry that's not entirely above board and whatever happens to them is often horrifying. Um, so we, we could say that, like, Hilary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano, would they be, like, Disney. They, they would be the equivalent of idol singers. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, to to Adam go Montana. back to the <laughs> to go back to the full to to go back to the original uh, question. Right, whatever that yeah. was. is like a proto dating sim from before, like the concept of the dating sim was properly codified. Because the dating sim, as it would come to be codified, was like this idea of like they're not just uh, like you read a lot of dialogue and then make a decision. Like there are games that are dating based, like visual novels, but like the dating sim, as it would be codified by things like Tokimeki Memorial, are time management sims. Like that's where things, that's where like persona structure is actually coming from. This idea of like you have a bunch of things that you're managing. Uh, like a bunch of stats that you're managing and like spending time with people because they're only available on certain days and you have to talk to certain people to find out about other people. Like that structure comes from the Tokimeki Memorial style dating sim. This predates that. Nakayami Miho no Tokimeki High School is a Japanese style adventure game 
in the uh, mold of something like the Portopia serial murder case or its attorney. Uh, but with the veneer of like dates with this like at the time with this real life like idol i believe completing the game actually uh gave you like a phone number that you could call that would give you like a pre-recorded message from nakayama miho it's very strange but yeah what other developers uh, what other examples of developers making something completely out of left field can you think of Uh, Katamari. <laughs> yeah, but like Katamari is one of those things where like it's out of left field for Namco, but it's not out of left field for anyone else. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I, I, sh I should say, it's out of left field for Namco. It's not out of left field for the director Kit Takashi. Also, hi, Genshin. Hello. Uh, we got the question. Uh, Someone, we got a question from Fireminer asking uh, on the basis of Square's 80s uh, NES adventure dating sim, Nakayama Miko, not Tokimeki High School. What other examples of developers making something completely out of left field? Something completely, completely out of left field? Yeah, something that doesn't fit the developer's profile at all. Uh, well, Gust made some really odd stuff at the beginning, but that's when they were still trying to find themselves. Yeah. And I mean, like, Nakayama Miho and Nakayama High School was very much square at that point. They're pre-Final Fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, something that just made you wonder what they were thinking. Um... Yeah. I think a lot about Nintendo publishing Geist on the GameCube. <laughs> yeah. Was a ghost possession first person shooter yeah, from developers who had previously a... made Duke Nukem games. Okay. That was a weird game. Yeah. You could possess a bullet you could possess a dog food. <laughs> um I'm thinking some of the stuff that Square Enix put out on the DS back in the uh, teens. Oh uh, yeah, the late March and early teens. I mean a lot of that's just them like publishing random small developer stuff just to see what happened. Yeah, uh, it was but, much cheaper yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. You had stuff like um, Sigma Harmonics or The Nameless Game, hmm. which were both really weird in completely different ways. Hmm. Um, DS was very good for this. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, Sega publishing Field of Magic XYXX, which was like a weird combination of WarioWare and Dating Sim. Uh, and it's, it's truly bonkers. It's even more bonkers sequel. Which got the much more cowardly name the Rub Rabbits in English, but in Japan was called Akachan Atoko Karakuru no. It's like just Japanese for where do babies come from? What was um what was that really weird Dreamcast game with like the You're thinking aquatic scene, creature? <laughs> you knew. Yeah. You knew. Okay. <laughs> Which is another one of those ones where it's like, as far as Sega's portfolio, yes, that's insane. Uh, as far as Yute Saito's portfolio, yes, that's still insane, <laughs> but slightly different than insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yute Saito yeah, our... previously was known for Sim Tower, yeah. but then he after but then after C he went and made Odama, which is completely insane. Does anyone remember Odama? No. Odama, no. Odama was a GameCube exclusive combination real time strategy pinball game. Cool. 
You it had support for the microphone, it had support for the DK bongos, and it had support for the regular GameCube controller. So you could have the first player using the GameCube controller to control the like pinball table while uh, barking orders into the GameCube microphone, while the second player was playing the DK bongos in order to increase troop morale. <laughs> Odama is a bonkers video game and I love it even though I hate playing it. I am not good at pinball and I am not good at strat- real-time strategy and it is, it is somehow both. But um, I have nothing but respect for it. Odama. I mean, some of the weird little things like Katamari Damacy. Yeah, that was one that was brought up. Yeah. Uh, oh, Odama. I never played it, but I have heard of it oh yeah i think i saw it at like one at like a retro game store before and was like i don't know if i want to buy that <laughs> it's, it's yeah, extremely yeah. strange everyone should play it at least once even if they don't finish it um, i mean i was gonna say that all of suda 51's games are out of left field so i don't think he counts for the <laughs> i don't, I don't think they count question. because he has no <laughs> no regular field to be exactly <laughs> all uh, of his games are bonkers <laughs> I'd like to bring up the, the plot of Odama. The main character in Odama is Yamamoto Kagetora, a young struggling general, uh, a young general struggling to avenge his clan and preserve the way of Nintendo. Which is <laughs> a philosophy meaning the way of heavenly duty. It just changed some of the county. Wow. I really want to play this now. <laughs> I think they may have only needed to change the last kanji to make. Yeah, it I think it was. Yeah, I think it's just the uh, the like way of kanji that they put at the end instead of the regular one which this the regular is... one just means like a store or yeah an establishment. but yeah like an extremely japanese pun i want to play this now it's an extremely strange game but yeah, yeah but i like pinball i don't know if did you guys play demons till uh more of a devil's crush man myself <laughs> right. Well, it was a spiritual successor, and I, I thought it was awesome. I loved every second nice. of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah this, this was an extremely strange Lady Era game that, like, no one fucking played, but I appreciated it existing. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Odama. Which literally, I think, just means large ball. <laughs> Yeah. Um... Well, the uh, there was a Senran Kagura pinball game that was pretty bizarre. I believe even, it. but yeah. at this point, I don't feel like Senran Kagura technically like the quote-unquote main game for beat But I don't think that game, that series, has a main genre anymore. No, not anymore. Same thing with like Neptunia. I don't. I mean, I don't even know what that's supposed to be anymore. It, it's a they've marketing. Done, they've done every genre now. Yeah. yeah, it's a marketing vehicle for the characters. Um, yeah. And we love those it's, characters, don't we? Or about the characters well, and the setting. Not someone does. <laughs> <laughs> Only me and Wheels like Nep Nep. It's true. <laughs> oh, Tam does. I too. consider, I consider Neptunia to be evil uh, Sega propaganda and part of their long go- their long running attempt to manufacture Mega Drive nostalgia in Japan. <laughs> The Mega Drive was not a success in Japan by any stretch of the imagination, and they've spent the past 20 years trying to overwrite history and make that not the case. <laughs> and yet they got really pissed when it started to do well in the U.S. 
because that? it wasn't doing well in Japan. Right, they got jealous or something. They were they were they were upset that uh, it was doing well in America while manga authors were throwing fucking shit at their heads in America. Because, because Tom Kalinsky was awesome. I hate to look up what was it he was, like the author of Osamatsukun allegedly threw. Oh, it was an ashtray. It was an ashtray that threw at the head of the director of that game. <laughs> the, I've mentioned this story before, but it's evergreen. It's incredibly funny. Uh, one of the four Mega Drive launch games in Japan was a, an adaptation of then uh, popular manga Osamatsukun. It's still popular, but yeah. Yeah, you know, but uh, it was—I think it was still ongoing at the time as well. It's more what I'm getting at. But, uh, Osamatsukun and uh, late in development, they apparently cut the cartridge size in half and. Uh, turned the remaining levels into ma mazes in order to cover up the fact that there are only like four of them now. Mm -hmm. And the game was just... Uh, it, w it was associated with like, oh, this is Kusoke, this is awful. Like, this is just mm -hmm. legendary for being bad. And it, like, her, the author considered it to damage the brand and was like so pissed at one of the developers that he threw a mash tray at their head. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Like, like the, the 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 issue you run into with this question, of course, is that uh, any that most developers who make weird things make it their career to make weird things, and so it's it's honestly actually pretty hard to find the developers that have made something because like when they make a wild shift, they end up shifting into like they either you know the game is either uninteresting and they never do anything again and it gets lost to history or they, the game becomes essentially their business, especially as the game de development, as game development in general, has gotten more conservative to, uh, due to increasing budgets. So, uh, this yeah. is the kind of conversation that gets reserved for either the NES period, the PlayStation Two period, or the DS period, because those were the only three consoles that really had a leeway to allow this much insanity to happen. Yeah, the PS1 period as well, but mostly that was developers who didn't make games before making their first game, and that game making it clear that they had never actually played a video game. And that's why you got yeah. Cosmic Race or Cabal Screen. Everyone go look at Cabal Screen. You don't have to do it right now, but like anyone who has not heard of Cabal Screen, G-A-B-A-L, I can't remember if there's two L's. Uh, it's a vanity game for, I believe, a Japanese like artist or fashion designer of some description. Uh, yeah, Cabal Screen, uh, which is a lot about flying shoes for some reason. Cabal Screen? Uh, Cabal Screen, G-A-B-A-L-L, -L, space screen. Who the fuck was this? This was like, this was like a dude of some notoriety. Okay. Yeah, Tetsuya Komodo. Uh, oh, he was a pop music producer. That's what it was. Like, this was a vanity game for a Japanese pop music producer. Uh, oh, I, I'd forgotten about Shigesato Itoi's fishing game. Oh, yeah, Shigesato Itoi's number one bass fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a shoe and a shower head and a bamboo forest for a gabal yeah, screen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cabal Screen is kind of that way. Okay. Uh, cool. But yeah, apparently he was uh, he was part of a like electro dance trio called Cabal, which is why it's called Cabal Screen. 
yeah, just yeah, Cabal Spring's extremely strange. Please go look it up if you've never seen it. <laughs> it's worth seeing at least once. But yeah, that that era, the PS1 and PS2 DS and the NES are kind of when developers could just make whatever, and a lot of them haven't actually made many games before, so just made whatever. But yeah. Uh, to look at another like slightly more traditional one, uh, this company did not honestly last long, uh, but, you know, Incognito, who made uh, Twisted Metal Black and God of War, between those made it completely forgotten, other than, like, Sony keeps re-releasing it on PS2 because they own it in lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, like, Kaiju Battle Game called War of the Monsters. It's like, huh. I have that one. Yeah, it's kind of, it's not, it's not even a bad game. Pretty good uh, game. Like, yeah, it's it's not as like violent or off-putting or just thematically un uh, uninteresting as uh, Twisted Metal Black or God of War. It's just a fun like like sort of Power Stone style fighting game, but with a different camera angle. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be playable on PlayStation Now or the new Plus service. It is because That's... Sony owns it, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Okay. I th for some reason, I thought it was, like, King of the Monsters. I thought it was, like, a spiritual successor to that. It, it definitely oh. is very similar to it. But, yeah, King of the Monsters was an SNK property, so they did not have that. Y yeah, okay. But, Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's hit a couple more. Uh, which main couple in Final Fantasy has the best chemistry? And please explain why Squall X Renoa is the opposite of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's like, here. I mean, I don't blame him. That's like that is the mm -hmm. core of that game story, and not a good romance. But uh, yeah, and the awful translation for it too. But it was very yeah. I can I can only I can only speak for how it comes off in English. But in English, they do not come off as a pair that has any sort of realistic future together. Uh -huh. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you can only blame so much on the localization because it just wasn't a very well directed. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, I, you know, honestly, I think that they had a better deliver with between Tidus and Yuna. That's like a more, yeah. uh, a, a better fleshed out version of that. Yeah, and Titus and Yuna are, are probably one of the better ones. I'd, I'd go for it in Zidane and Garnet as well. Oh, yeah, that one's very cute. Um, yeah. Honestly, all the ones around it, I would say, are better. Cloud and Tifa are a stronger care, pair as well. Like, um, it's, it's... Yeah, Cecil and Rosa. Yeah, like honestly, I like, mean, like you could go Edge and Rydia and still be more accurate. And most of what you see yeah. from them is the, just edges flirting with Rydia at random points, and that's it. Yeah, it's still better. Yeah, because like the issue, you know, the issue you run into with Squall and Renoa in FF8 is that like they're designed to be sort of like oh, they're opposites attract. They're supposed to balance each other out, but they honestly sort of just bring out the worst in each other. Yeah, like Renoa's doesn't like Renoa seems dumber when talking to Squall, which is a weird place to be because like it it just it doesn't help. Uh, and Squall is more angsty and obnoxious when he's like pining after Renoa. So these two things like they take two characters that have aspects of their personality that are that are going to grade on players and are designed to in some sense. But instead of the two opposites balancing each other out and bringing out the sympathetic aspects of each other, they honestly more serve to make each other worse. 
and mm. it ends up grating against you because also like the because they their their relationship is the center of the story. It is the story. And if it's not strong enough to carry the weight of that story, it doesn't like the entire game collapses. Hmm. But you know, they advertised although, the same theme as love from the very beginning of the advertising. Yep. They went to the they went to the trouble of like the logo, which usually is like the most like dramatic aspect of the plot. The logo for FF eight is Squall and Renoa hugging. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, yeah, in seven well. yeah, in seven it's it's the image of meteor, you know, like in nine it's the return of the crystals, like some core thematic concept that is supposed to underpin these logos, like some key aspect, like defining piece of imagery. For FF8, it is the silhouette of Squall and Renella, and it, uh, you know, when that collapses, the rest of the story kind of does too. If they ever actually bothered to make a do a remake of this one, they're going to have to do some major overhauls on the f plot. Yeah, you know, they, they never. Considering they did, they've done the Final Fantasy VII, this may actually be an improvement. This would be an improvement. I think that there is, there does exist the potential to tell a much better, more truncated version of FF8's story, but I don't think that there's an appetite within Square to do that. Oh, absolutely not. Well, you want to hear yeah. something funny? Um, mm -hmm. When I first played Final Fantasy VII, I thought that Tifa and or Tifa and Barrett were together, and I thought Marlene the was their daughter. With Marlene. Yeah. Yes, I thought Marlene was Tifa's daughter. Yeah, and I think that's and as much an issue was... with the translation as anything. But yeah, <laughs> so well then, yeah. um, I mean, I can't really say much about eight or nine. I actually didn't play those that much, but like <sighs> thirteen, at the heart of it was, yeah, sure, you had Snow and um, Sarah, but then I, I, I just like how Lightning just was just mean to everybody, and I always thought that Hope was a dork, and I never liked him. But... I mean, he's a child. He's Honestly, the, 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 <laughs> the best couple in Final Fantasy XIII was Vanilla and Fang. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, massively, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, hope is yeah, but... hope is supposed to be annoying. Like, it could yeah. you just interact with anyone that age, and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, but... I remember from the Japanese version, he's like very much that age group. I was like, yes, I yeah. understand. Yes. <laughs> The thing I feel about it. I work with this age group. They all suck if they're yeah. upset. <laughs> the, the thing I was going to say is, and the thing that like always makes me feel weird about it is like the, the the love of Lightning being a huge asshole at the start of the game feels weird to me because like her growth out of that is much more interesting to me, in part because of her interaction with Hope, where she's understanding that like. Oh, I've actually been a horrible influence on this child. Like I've done horrible things <laughs> yeah. to this child by accident. Oh, I did pick up on that, but I still Yeah, I know I know you did. I, but... I still like it when she's mean to everybody. Yeah. I yeah, I just and found it like kinda of great. Again, and, I, I remember yeah. saying this back when it was for, when it was first coming out in America and I'll probably say it again, but that game was much better plotted and organized to be an actual novel than it was as a game. Oh yeah. Like I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the plot kind of like falls apart at the eleventh hour, as Final Fantasy games always do. But at the same time, like those first, like ten or so chapters are much stronger if you just 
to, if you think about how they would have looked on the page, then as like when you realize yeah. that it takes you like twenty hours to get through them. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was describing it as like a novel. I remember that <laughs> much, even before it came out in English. I mean, it's organized into chapters, even, which was like the first time Final Fantasy ever did that. So, yeah, it really, it really begged the comparison. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, and then, and then you know you get to the last section and it's like oh we we wanted to have like an open section and now the game's lost all its momentum. Oh, the post game was my favorite Weird. part. <laughs> For me, it was just like oh this is where I cease caring because it's not pushing me forward anymore. No, I, I like the point where every character gets every role and then you're just farming the. Adamant toys and Longweed. Yeah, that's chapter to... eleven. Like that's that's the part yeah. where I just like it stopped and never picked it back yeah. up. It was just oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. But yeah, any of the Final oh, and... Fantasies where you okay. could logically give anything to everyone, and you ended up having to give everything to everyone because your gaming I can't want to ADHD, but your gaming senses are just going to overdrive. Your gaming OCD. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I, I remember. Mean... I remember my April Fool's Day. Um, article on why Bravely Default sucked was, <laughs> hinged only largely, was hinged largely on this is like yeah you've got job classes you can give anything to everyone while you uh, end up feeling obliged to give everything to everyone yep yeah 13, 13 tried to counteract that in some sense because like the first the first three jobs that a character had were the jobs they were best at and the other yeah. three would be ones that they were like they could do it if they had to but it was definitely not their ideal role yeah. and like that, yeah. that, that, that was an interesting idea but it yeah. also because there was no customization of it, it still ended up sort of forcing them to do all of it yeah it, it needed more customization and also since again it was broken into chapters where certain characters were not available for large periods of time right all right some, some of these job classes and didn't also, get introduced until halfway through also a lot of the chapters were actually uh built in such a way that like well all the chapters i should say were built in such a way that you actually each chapter had a level cap not the game as a whole the chapter yeah, right. has a level cap and then the crystarium just arbitrarily jumps again mm -hmm. yeah but, yeah now was... i don't want any spoilers but in final fantasy 15 does he actually marry that princess that he was supposed to marry you said you didn't want I don't spoilers know. i can't answer oh. that without spoilers Dang it! Okay, I gotta keep playing. Fine. I gotta get so back into that one. Yeah. I have yet to own anything that I can play it, so I don't care. Yeah. Hopefully it comes out on Switch too. It's a good game, it deserves a revisit, but... Um, here's a, here's yeah. a softball. Uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, no, let's get a softball question, that would be good. <laughs> the weirdest name in FF history, uh, and Fire Miner offers, uh, never been sure how to pronounce her name uh quistus quistus a quistus tep yeah trap trip yeah quistus trip yeah uh you're just a name yeah ff ff in terms of well i mean the if we don't if they if we're allowed to talk about things that aren't party members then i'm just gonna say pudding and leave it at that <laughs> or fuso yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, Fusa, yeah. Although he's at least supposed to be an alien. He gets a path. I don't like Tonberries. That's not a character, though. That's a monster you fight. But I hate those friggin' Tonberries. And I don't even know what the name is supposed to mean. It's weird. 
It beats when, like, someone tried translating it as dingleberry. <laughs> That's funny. That's what I call those things. I freaking hate them. Okay, well, the weirdest character name in Final Fantasy history. Right, okay. Um. I mean, Kistis is up there just because it's a question of how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, let's just face the, uh, the non-gendered gourmet thing in Final Fantasy IX. Uh, Quina. Quina Quen. Yeah, okay, that one's not too bad. Um... Most of them, I, don't, I can't think of any difficulties in actually pronouncing them. Yeah, like, that, that's the thing. Like, you run into some names here, it's like, I don't think I've ever heard of someone named Tifa, but I never had issues working out how that was meant to be said. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, well, is... Into... Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, is Barrett, like... Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Is, is Barrett the way that Japanese people would pronounce bullet? Is that why he's named Plus that? Because he has, he has the Gatling gun on his hand, and I and I that occurred to me one day. I'm like Barrett Bullet, huh? Okay. They would actually say Buretto, not Barretto. Yeah. Okay. It's likely to, it's likely meant to be similar sounding, but I don't think that was like the full thought process behind it. Okay. Just curious about that. FF7, most of the characters are like it. Like, Eris, Eris is a pretty, like, out-there name, but, you know. The the thing the thing about it is that, like, none of them are confusing in most ways, other than, like, the confusion that Square has flashed up to them over time. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I still think the funniest part is that most of them have fairly, nor fairly like, believable last names, although Stripe is getting, is getting pretty weird there. But, yeah, I love the Vince. I love the Vincent Valentine. <laughs> I mean, that's Valentine's a name people have. Yeah, no, it is. That's pretty standard. It's just I always, I I always appreciate. Just, yeah, I was, I was just gonna say I always appreciate that uh, the Barrett has the completely normal last name Wallace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and but then why was um, Red Thirteen or what? Like that's why? not his real what? name. That's a designation. Okay. Yeah, his actual name there. is Nanaki. Nanaki, okay. Which, yeah. oddly enough, could be a, could be translated as nameless. Yeah, which is also probably part of the joke, but... Yeah. Also, I looked up what game it was that translated uh, Tonberry as Dingleberry, and unsurprisingly, it was the PS1 version of FF5, which has all sorts of horrible names, like Wyburn. Wyburn! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, and while looking this up, I was reminded of, uh, if you dig into the spin-offs of FF7, you get some real fucked up names, like Genesis Rapshados. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's when you get into the real, like, JRPG-ass names. Uh, okay, well, if we want to go into weird monster names, that uh, not including anything present on the PlayStation translation of Final Fantasy V. Yeah, that one's cheating. Yeah. Ochul. Huh. Did you ever see the etymology of that thing? No, I don't think so. Ochul is one of the those monsters oh, yeah. from the original Final Fantasy that originated in the Dungeons and Dragons monster manual. Yeah. Where, like the corals, like... Uh, the corals were originally displacer beasts. 
and um, like the Swamp Cave in Final Fantasy One had ogres and ogre mages specifically because those were both in the Monster Manual. Ochul was, I. Ochul is what you get when somebody is trying to translate out of katakana what somebody else put into katakana when the original spelling was O T Y U G H. Yeah. Okay. However you pronounce that. Ochi. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And then it, like, found its way back into English as Ochu. Yep. Because the people doing the localizations of the monster list did not have copies of the monster manual and probably did not realize where a lot of these names were coming from to begin with. Hmm. So, like, um... Like, one of the four fiends of the elements in Final Fantasy One, I, I think it was Kadi in Yeah, Carrie. Carrie, Which was obviously <laughs> supposed to be Kali, but Kali. they did L instead of R. But the Japanese name was Marilith. Mm. From the Marillus demons in Dungeons and Dragons? Of course. Oh, yeah. The, the others were Lich and Tiamat. Yeah, so, yeah. that's one of those names like. You can see, we'll see what happened here. Yeah. Uh, if, we're in, if we're including monsters, I guess I can bring up the Ragtime Mouse. Like that horrible creature from FF9 that has the, again, baffling name Ragtime Mouse. <laughs> Anyone remember the ragtime mouse? No. Is it? No. Oh, I I somehow remember that, but what was it? It had like uh, a it had like a quiz game associated with it. Oh, it was the quiz game thing. Okay, yeah, I remember. This horrifying creature that looks nothing like a mouse. Ragtimer. <laughs> yeah. And Ragtime Mouse is, in fact, the name in Japanese. Yeah, it's just Ragtime Mouse and Katakana. I have no idea where that name came from. Uh, okay, we all sound... Hmm? Oh, no. I was just trying to see if there yeah. was any explanation to its name. Okay. Um, we all sound dead, so let's do one more question and then call it quits. Um, I don't sound dead. You sound. I sound like utterly vital and full of life compared to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll hit a hit this one uh, real quick. How did Unreal Engine three blow up, and why? Almost, why did almost every game at the time use it? Uh, it was the only uh, like multi-platform engine with like a mature tool chain. <laughs> it was convenient, and, it was available, it worked. Like, it's it's one of those things, like, a lot of times the answer was that it was honestly not suited to the genre you were making, but, like, it had actual support other people were using. You probably could hire someone who knew how to use it because someone else was using it. Like, the fact yeah. that Unreal Engine, like, the Unreal Engines were already, like, well-known on the PC side of things for years by that point. Like... Like, it's all about, you know, the. It doesn't have to be the best engine. Being the best engine is often even not terribly desirable. It needs to be the most usable engine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, in this DOS, we can attest to this. But, yeah, it's like, sure, you can make up your own, or you can create your own engine in house, and it would work perfectly for the exact one thing that you want to do. And then you have to do it all over again for the next project. Let's all talk about Crystal Tools again. <laughs> Yes. So, um... There was one 
one Japanese developer I saw that rolled their own in-house technology that actually worked. It was Capcom. Their their framework engine they kept using for years and years and years and actually did work in a lot of different settings. Like that, that's why I said Unreal Engine 3 was convenient. In that yeah. Like, you did not have to invest a million dollars into something new that would be used once. Yeah, you know? and, and the other the other thing to remember about engine development is that it doesn't end and it requires like you can't have and this is the thing that Square keeps failing to learn. You can't just have the en the engine that you want to power a bunch of games be a like attached unit to an existing uh, development team, because that inevitably means that that engine that's supposed to be multi-purpose will be bent to work properly and specifically with that one game. And then, like, if they can manage it, they will find ways to make it work with other things. And like, very very, you know, Crystal Tools was used for a couple of other things. It was used for Dragon Quest X, it was used for FF14, and because the FF14 team is used to that engine, it has been rolled into FF16. But, like, in general, the, that engine is not useful to anyone who has not been working with it for 10 years, because the people who know how to engineer it are people who have been working with it since its inception. Uh, but, you know, like, you look at something like, uh, you know, like a... You, you can't just have the engine team be attached to a specific game. They need to be independent of a bunch of games, and you know those games can like uh, tool the thing as they need it to. And but you know when you do that, you're essentially saying there's an, an entire section of our company that is just R and D. They just make development easier for everyone else. They do not like they essentially don't make games themselves. They're all about because like. There's, there needs to be an entire section of the company that's just troubleshooting, like, there's a bug in the engine, how do we fix it? The engine needs this feature, how do we get it? Hmm. Like, when... You'll notice that when Unreal Engine 3 became their priority, Epic started making a lot fewer games. Like, a lot fewer. They made Gears of because War to basically... Because supporting the engine. Yeah. Because, like, they made... Um, they made Gears of War, which basically existed as an advertisement. I was, was going to say, I I liked Unreal Tournament 3. I thought it was great. UT3 was good, but it also was like not nearly as supported as UT1 or 2K4. It was very much like, like they were realizing that if they wanted to keep being a middleware developer, that like they were going to have to cut back on being a game developer. And so... Yeah. Due to obligations to Microsoft, they keep making Gears of War games, but that's kind of all they make at that point. Uh, UT3 is good, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have lasting support. It does not, it does not have the ongoing uh, support that like their prior games did. They like Unreal, uh, regular Unreal has died on the vine. Unreal Championship, the sort of like pseudo spinoff of Unreal Tournament, that's just gone. Uh, basically, everything else sort of leaves because like. If you go back and look at early, the early period of Unreal Engine 3, it, infamously, it doesn't run well on PS3 at all. And in order to meet their obligations, they are there are situations where like, they are essentially sending their engineers to work with high-profile PS3 games to make sure that their games work, because that is part of their obligations as a middleware developer. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you start selling middleware, you end up agreeing that, like, okay, if something goes wrong, we will send support to make sure that we can help you fix it. And that's another thing that's worthwhile to a lot of companies. It's just like, 
we don't have to worry like the job of upkeep of additional features of like what the fuck is wrong with this broken like that's all shifted onto another company and that's worth a lot especially with hd development when you're transitioning from sd development where suddenly every asset is taking you five ten times longer to make and has to be made of much higher fidelity like you cut people out of the technology chain part because it's you know because you still have your own internal technology chain because you're making your own like alterations to unreal engine 3 or whatever but you know you, you cut that down because you need people in other places you try to ship that onto epic in this case <laughs> that unreal engine 3 was uh I'm on Wikipedia. There's a whole list of all the games that used it. And it's so many. It's so, so many. I know. Yeah. It's so, Batman Arkham Asylum, the Bioshock games, uh, yep, Borderlands, yep. And, uh, it's a lot of games. <laughs> I remember it, a lot of those games just having bad texture pop in, but, I mean... Beyond that, I'd say, yeah, it was a popular engine and probably easy to use. Sure. It's, it's also, it's also the, like, when you, at the, like, after a year or so, when everyone's using the engine, the problems the engine is going to have are known. You can work, you know that you're going to have right. to work around them before you start. Whereas, like, you make your own engine, and if some part of the technology ends up not working the way you expected it to, or being ill-suited to what you're making, suddenly you have to like there's a giant wrench thrown in the like process because you suddenly need to determine okay how can we work around this uh like issue do we re-engineer the engine do we uh you know we have we have all sorts of things we need to do we have all sorts of options for what to do but we don't actually have a plan for how long it'll take yeah and so yeah, like just having the certainty of, okay, we know Unreal Engine 3 will give us these problems, but we can plan around like how long it will take to get around them and deal with them. And that's worth a lot as well when you're doing project management. Yeah. So in contrast, you have like the Far Cry games that, I don't know, they just run like shit on PC in my experience. And I think that's, well, it's the Duma engine, I think. Um, I mean, Ubisoft has all sorts of in-house engines. Yeah. So just so in, in yeah, in contrast, you have like th I think that was derived from the Doom, Cry yeah. engine. Yeah. And it's like that's used for what like one series of games, and it's glitchy as fuck. So and it runs like shit on PC. <laughs> yeah, it's likely optimized specifically for the consoles, and they worry about how it functions in like a less controlled. Uh, yeah. In a less controlled environment. Yeah. That seems to have been used for like Far Cry and like one Assassin's Creed game before they moved on. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it looks like we should probably finish out because I think stop. we also fall asleep. Oh, uh, yeah. You're talking about? I'm ready to stop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, hold on. By the way, Pew commented in chat that Unreal Tournament 3 was his jam back in the day, which I think is true for a lot of us. 
Not yeah. me because I didn't play it in real tournament, yeah. but and I believe you. I'm pretty sure my sister is waiting for me to fall asleep on the stream. Okay, <laughs> well done. Don't disappoint her, but I didn't. You, you <laughs> Okay, so, yes, okay. Uh, let's see if I remember it. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so, do you enjoy tabletop role-playing games? Do you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role-playing games? Because, let's face it, that is an actual popular genre on YouTube these days. Uh, do you enjoy watching these players make questionable um, personal decisions and even worse dice rolls? And would you mind reading it all in print format instead while well, we have the series for you? It's Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu. That's Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Or collected into four paperback novels, also available via Amazon. Um, okay, so um, it's just fun and games until somebody rolls a one. In which case we all start laughing. Okay. And I'll start laughing, and then if someone gets sad because their character's dead now. Uh. Thankfully, thankfully, we have managed to mostly avoid character deaths. <laughs> mostly. Probably for the best. Yes. But, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, Joe. Yeah. I just plugged in the chat. I just um, I'm probably gonna stream Sonic Origins at some point. I just bought it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's why I put it in the chat so people can see my name and they can click on it and see my profile, or whatever. So that's that's all I got to plug. I you know I um, I streamed Turtles on when was it Thursday. And uh, that's about it, though. So I'm on Twitch and YouTube. So. Wheels. Uh, do a Sunday night stream, Sunday night shenanigans. Uh, she used to be on the Arpa Gamer channel. Now we'll be on my channel where we stream fighting games and other such stuff. Whatever Wheels feels like streaming that night. Yep. Uh, yeah, we could yeah. do Street Fighter V again if you guys want. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah. We might do that uh, new Capcom fighting collection eventually as well. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm, maybe I'll pick that up on Switch if that's what you guys get it on. Okay. That's what I'm getting it on. Um, I could do that, maybe. Um, nice. Maybe at some point. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy that at some point. I just don't know when. That's all. Sonic Origins was a little more priority for me. Yeah, understandable. But yeah. Uh, and right. yeah. Uh, go check the... on the child. You guys finish it up and you can bounce okay. whenever. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can. Our dear, dear host just left us. Uh, you can always uh, find us on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, for uh, screen recording, that'll be on uh, twitch.tv slash askwheels and twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Uh, you can ask us questions in the chat if you feel the need, or not, it's up to you. Uh, I would like to thank dear friend Fireminer for providing questions this week. Um, if uh, you would like to contribute questions, we have a number of options you can 
for that, there's the aforementioned Twitch chat that you can also provide them in the comments section on Hobby Gamer under this very episode. Or you can ask them in the Discord, which you can find by going to the community tab of Hobby Gamer and clicking uh, through that will get you to a Discord invite link. Just a lovely community, even if you don't intend to, uh, even if you don't intend to ask us, ask us questions, you can talk about all and sundry, but definitely find an audience to talk about your favorite RPGs on. But yeah, otherwise, I think that closes us out. So I will see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. <laughs>